Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is Good morning. Very wow, very early morning for me. I'm in the garage because I woke up uh well <laughs> Here's the, I always like being able to hear environmental noises and stuff. Does that make sense? I mean like you spend so much time, especially pocket, whatever, people are like clean sound and just the voice and maybe it annoys some people, but I don't know. When I uh I used to think it was really the first things I recorded. I like being able to feel like I was in the room with someone. You know what I mean? So you can hear like appliances and the heating and cooling system. And that's, you know, fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, uh, like normal. You're trying to just, I mean, we're just trying to be people. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Look, I've been trying to do, I've been doing my best. I keep doing this thing. I keep being like, I'm going to start streaming. I'm going to do more episodes. And then this is me doing more episodes. And uh, I, I feel like I keep making declarations to myself about how I'm going to improve my life and change my life or something like that. <laughs> And um, sometimes they happen, and I feel like it's, I don't know, I do it as some kind of like, ah, oh, this will be accountability if I just declare it out loud or something. But it never really um, works like that. I, I don't know. Body doubling works. Other people work, to you know, but like... You know what I mean? As like motivation to help change things, some kind of sense of accountability. And I, I had this thought a long time ago that does seem to stay true, which is like real change. Anytime I think I've witnessed it, someone someone really changing, it seems to be quiet. 
like a quiet thing that changes in them. They don't do it with a ton of like proclamation. They don't they don't do it with a ton of like what do you call it? Fanfare. It just happens. It's like an internal shift. And uh I think at least for me, if you have um you know, ADHD is, but I don't know. Everything seems to be the same thing. I, I, learning about ADHD more and more, you're like, oh, well, here's the answers to a lot of fucking issues. Not answers to like the problems, but an understanding. Here's an explanation that I always look for. And how the fuck does, I mean, I do like the environmental sounds, but I feel like that's like three or four things that have just like kicked on layer, layer, layer. <laughs> like it's a comedy. Anyway. So especially if you have like ADHD or anxiety, depression, things like that, which I think are all very related. Uh, I think you just got to seize on the moments of change when they're there. And uh, something I do, I realized is like, I think things have to have a certain structure to to be change, you know? The, the thing we struggle about with like, uh, are you who you are you who you are inside or are you your actions or whatever? You kind of like, at least in the function of what we're maybe thinking about more often, just like being better versions of ourselves, not being so fucking unhappy all the time or just not feeling in so much pain or confusion all the time or whatever. I I mean, a lot of that is a function of just, you know, a lot of that is a function of like what you're doing. I, when I was in junior high, I know I mentioned this on the here before. When I was in junior high, I uh, I decided at some point when I was like twelve that I wanted to be a brave person, and because uh, I wasn't, I still don't. I'm scared all the time, you know. But I was scared all the time then, and I decided like the characters and books I liked, I wanted to be brave. And I thought like, well, what would make me brave? And I thought, you know, I mean, it's very, it's fucking back to the future (laughs) in a dumb way. I thought, you know, what would make me brave is if something scared me, I had to do it. So, you know, that's not the wisest way to live, but it's fine. Is, you know, growing up and figuring out what being a person is and means to you. And I'm going to move here and lay down on the floor because I like it. Feels nice for the spine. I get so sick of sitting. Anyway. So I decided I'd be a brave person. And uh, I was thinking about that again the other day because I don't really like who I am being a lot of the time now again. Fucking 20, fucking three, 22 years later or something like that. I don't like who I'm being a lot of the time. There's a lot of them I do, not that I think I'm a bad person. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think not liking who you're being or is the same as thinking you're bad. And Allie and I tried to start this new practice with each other where we're not allowed to say, we fucking reflexively are just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Like just all the time. That's kind of our, so we try to yell at each other like uh, (laughs) in a silly way. Whenever we do it, we don't do that anymore. We don't do that, you know, like, uh, 
because it's not helpful. It's it's the self-flagellation is not has nothing to do with self-improvement or being a good or bad person. It's if anything, like self-flagellation and obsession with your own, you know, badness or whatever is just this puritanical Catholic weird martyrdom. You know what I mean? Like performance personal disfigurement or something it's like just fucking self-harm for sport it's self-harm as penance and has nothing to do with anything good or helpful so we try to help each other not do that so one thing i did the other week was i i want to come back to that thing about like mistakes you know making not necessarily the wisest but not necessarily the worst uh decision strategies to to growing (laughs) to to being a person um later but i thought about that and the other week i was feeling horrible um you know that was it was shortly after my grandma died and uh I know it sounds naive and stupid to say, like, I don't think it was because of that. I'm sure that's in the soup. It's sad. It's fucking sad. Like like I was saying, you know, I, I don't feel a sense of great, like, negativity around her passing still. Just because it seems like part of life and it seems like it was a better thing. And I don't mean this to sound as, like, fucking horrible as it's gonna sound it's gonna sound so suicidal and dark and i don't mean that it's i i don't romanticize death i don't i don't believe in that at all i think you gotta fight to be here i mean i'm fighting every day to fucking be here you gotta fight to be here you know what i mean but there's a part of me that's like excited for her i'm like she gets to see what's next and it might be nothing you know, but like, even if it was that, even if it was nothing, think of like the great sweet relief of like when you fall asleep and you're like, go to dreamland. You, you don't know you're going to dreamland. You don't have any sense of that. Often you don't remember your dreams. I think there is peace. I, I think like the way we, you know, cope and say, you know, rest in peace and, and, and you have all these euphemisms about they're at rest now and that kind of thing. There is some truth to that. Like the energy of your cells, like coasts into whatever they will be next. You know, that's beautiful to me and kind of lovely. And the very good possibility that whatever energy consciousness is gets recycled the way the universe recycles all energy is fucking cool. You know, it's like, no matter's created or destroyed. Not recycles energy, but destroys matter. I don't know. There's something about it that I'm like, wow, she's she she gets the answer to the biggest question now. You know? And that's fucking I'm excited for her. That's cool. So I'm just saying that to say why I'm, you know, I don't know. Might but yeah, it might be naive to say feeling fucking miserable. I don't think I had to do with my grandma passing away because obviously that bummed me the fuck out. And then you think about all the things attached to it. We'll see my dad now and whatever. But anyway, my dad like, you know, took care of her a lot and it's the whole thing. Um, but anyway, 
I was feeling horrible and I've just been feeling so paralyzed. Uh, this whole fucking year has felt that way. The first few months of COVID were strangely thrilling. Like we were doing quarantine calisthenics and stuff. And I think part of that was because I felt like a weird, like, whoa, in this weird shaky chaos, that's when I thrive. I'm going to pick something to do. We had a little community creation, whatever. But as it just dragged on and it turned into this like weird, banal, cyberpunk universe we're living in, this late capitalism, nothing. I, I don't know. It just something about all of it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was just getting to me and the strangeness of life and the feeling of like feeling so far away from what made me excited, like what, what I was passionate about work wise. Like I did get to act uh, one day this year and I fucking had my first like legit audition of the year the other week. And, and those were two cool things, but like, no, no, so far away from that thing I used to do. And then knowing like that thing that I love to do and that I want to do, create things and stuff, I, I just feel this weird gap from it. This thing that I feel purpose around. And then I felt like all these things that I guess I liked about myself, that I prided as parts of my personality, things that I do, you know, things that I do that make up my character. Um, having like a good physical culture life ex with myself, a good connection or a conversation between my body and my inner self, you know, that felt it, like it went totally away or cooking and hobbies around creation that felt very distant. Writing felt very distant. Everything, everything just, everything generative felt so distant and I just felt I still am struggling with it. So, I don't know, man. Floating, lost a little, like foggy, tired. I mean, I know I'm just describing depression. <laughs> I'm literally just describing depression. The things I love to do, I, they don't make me happy anymore. <laughs> I'm tired all the time. I'm literally just describing depression. Um, which is funny, but like, I don't know. I really don't want to increase my medication. I fucking really don't want to. I don't want to. I don't like taking pills. I don't like it. I don't like knowing I need the pills. Also because like the Adderall, for instance, I take for it. Hey, it helped me. Fuck love, man. It helped me so fucking much. And, uh, and now I got to take more of it and I let it happen. And the days that I take my full dose, oh, I feel so fucking good. And I know if I keep doing that, it's going to want more. And then the days I don't take it, I feel horrible. And I hate that, dude. I hate fucking, I really do. And I know this isn't like the right shit to say as like a mental health thing or whatever. Because everybody, take your fucking meds, you know? I'm so much worse without the meds. That's the thought I was having. Because I was like, I'm taking my Prozac too. And... And to be fair, the days that I was having a horrible funk were like I had kind of been off my pills a little bit. I also stopped smoking weed. Not like I plan to stop smoking weed permanently or anything like that. But I was definitely smoking a lot of weed. Uh, or not like getting baked out of my skull. But like, you know, daily. And uh, pretty much daily for a little bit there. And I wanted to reset. So I, I've like, I removed some of my medicines, you know, to like see where I'm at. And... um 
So I'm sure that I'll add it in the depression. But anyway, I, and I know I'm, this is why I want to just finish the thought. I know I'm not supposed to say this. Please take your medications. I mean, like, I'm still taking them because I know without them, I'm, I'm so much fucking more miserable. But I'm frustrated to be in this zone of, like, staying alive, you know. I'm staying alive. That's good. But having difficulty being truly like not depressed you know <laughs> undepressed there should be a be- there should be a more active word for not depressed because <sighs> depressed is an accurate word there's it's a thing you're going through it's a physical fucking experience and ailment I, and and frankly like typical like just neurotypical is not a fucking good descriptor for not having depression not having depression the days I don't feel depression or I don't feel lost in ADHD fog are in fucking sane. I'm like, this is what it's like? Oh my God, you know? I'm like, some people just go through life like this. Oh, that's so fucking cool. Being alive fucking, oh my God, I have so many ideas I want to do and I'm gonna, I can work on them and it feels so good. I clean the fucking kitchen. You know what I mean? Like, it's so fucking wonderful. I wrote today. I mean, it's wonderful. So I'm just saying there should be a better word than just not depressed for not being depressed. Like, <laughs> and that's not just like tip because it does for people who have depression. It doesn't, it is not baseline, man. It feels like being on drugs. It's so fucking good. Just being a person. So anyway, the point is, well, there's never a point, but the, but the thought I'm trying to loop back around to is like the whole I want to be brave thing. I uh, sat down and I wrote out a longish, not longish, but a few pages of this manifesto we thing of like the kind of person I wish I were. Uh, and I found it pretty helpful, to be honest. And I would suggest maybe even like try it for yourself, like... I don't know. I, the man I wish I were. I was writing. I was writing. Like, what would that person do? Like, what would that person? What would their daily habits be like? Like, what would they? How would they comport themselves? How would they interact with their passions? You know, these kinds of things. And I don't know. I like doing it because not because it like overnight fixed anything. You know, I think the trap you got to be careful with about it too is like sort of the same trap you find this is what I was thinking about back whatever at the beginning of this about like um whatever uh sometimes it's so hard to talk thoughts are all so fragmentary and you're like trying to coalesce them for everybody and I always feel like I gotta I gotta go down this road and give you all this context and then I'll loop back to the point so you understand how I arrived at the point sometimes I'll just say something so fucking non sequitur daily or whatever and and then I'll explain the the sequence of thoughts that I had that got there. Well, I thought of this and that made me think of this and that made me think of this because that's why I asked you that random question. But anyway, the meandering thing is like, yeah, so I feel like I got to go down this road and I don't want to question what I want to talk about. I want to, I just want to, I'll take, we'll take this detour and then I'll come back. So the thing I wanted to come back to was that sometimes when I create parameters too hard for myself, like I'm going to start streaming or something, or I'm going to start interacting with everybody more publicly or, I, or I'm going to start creating this thing or that thing. I'm going to do this or there's things and then I don't do them. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. Uh, I guess I'm failure. I guess I'm failure. Or, or I think 
well, you didn't do it every day like you said you were going to or whatever the hell the schedule. You didn't keep the schedule. So what's the fucking point, really? You fucked it up. Or like uh, physical fitness is like this too, I feel like. I used to like do so much of it. And then I felt this start happening years and years ago. Now it's trickled in such a bad way that it's become like, damn, do I do any sort of exercise anymore? But where you're like, oh, I don't have two hours to do this. I have, I know that if I am going to go out and, and work out in the garage, my shoulder, I should really do my shoulder exercises. And if I do all the like band shoulder, right, those alone take like 20 minutes just to do the shoulder exercise to really do them. And if I'm going to do, you know, that kind of external rotation, I do that, I should do that kind of exercise. You know what I mean? Like you just go, and then you're like, but I don't have time for that. And that's so much. And then, and then I just don't do it. I don't do anything. <laughs> you know, you're, you're suddenly, cause you're like, if I can't be, the perfect man I wish I were. If I can't be the perfect hit all the, the things, then I don't want to do it at all. I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? Like I figure out ways to sabotage and maybe that's depression talking. But I guess I wanted to be a voice for myself to hear out loud and for you guys too, just to say like, I don't, you know, don't do that. A little bit's always better than nothing. A little bit of self is better than nothing. Not only is it better... I think it can be like fundamentally game change. I mean, fundamentally shift how you're feeling overall. So like last night, I don't know. I, I was doing, I did a lot of neat things that I feel good about this week. I finished this Nochino project. I, well, finished it as progress for far along this Christmas thing. I like to do with this little liqueur that I make. Also last week I finished, I think, I think it's done. I finished, I think my poem book, man. I, I've worked on that 100 project for like fucking 15 years, maybe. <laughs> something crazy like that. I was going to write 100 poems and I threw 30 words for love at the end of it too. The book is like, the manuscript is like 340 pages uh, with little illustrations throughout it. So I ordered a sample for myself to proofread it as a sample or whatever and see if I'm happy with it. But um, I don't know, that felt fucking neat. I was like, that might be done and i'll make it available for people if they're you know once it is but I, i'm like damn that's really cool anyway um so there's cool but i was like fucking feeling so out of touch with my body i was so like i've been winter mode and a little bit i just don't I feel like everything cramps up and i hate sitting i'm sitting too much and the city feels bad and so i finally got it was like late at night almost like 10 whatever and I got on this bike. I got this Peloton bike. Uh, it's fucking really phenomenal, man. I, I know it's, it's so bougie sounding, but like, oh God, it's so good. It's so easy just to hop on. And even if you just get the app and you uh, don't have the bike, there's like all these exercise classes and you just, it's so nice to have something just brainless where you just go, I'm going to go. And then they'll just, we'll just do it, you know? Uh, you know what I mean? You have to think about it. They just yell at you. So I was like, I'm going to do the bike. I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And, uh, I hopped on for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, sweat, sweat so much, felt so good. And I was like, I felt like Grammy when her little tail's fucking propelling afterwards. I told Allie, I was like, my body feels like a happy dog. My body feels like when Grammy's wagging her tail, I just felt so good. I was like, fuck, I forget. You got to do this shit, man. And I, I couldn't believe how good I felt. 
Like it was like I haven't fucking had physical fitness part of my life for like decades and decades of my life. I just was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. This feels so good. I eat some food. Food tastes better, you know, because you got to fuel up your body. Anyway, and then I was like, and then I just crashed out. I was like, uh, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to sit on the couch first for a second because I'm tired. Then I'm going to shower, come to bed. And I just fell asleep on the couch. And then I woke up at like 3.30 in the morning. And I was just like, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm going to go care for my body. <laughs> and I clean. I took a shower. And I was like, sometimes you ever take a shower and you're like, I'm doing the good cleaning myself. You know what I mean? I'm going to not just use soap. I'm going to do shampoo and conditioner. And I'm going to do a body scrub. And I'm going to, you know what? I'm bringing the face stuff in here too, dude. I'm going to do a little cleanser. I'm going to do a little face scrub and a cleanser. Oh, yeah. I'm doing a shower. I'm doing a I'm bathing. I'm cleansing my body. Caring for it. When I got out, I did all kinds of shit. Eye cream. Put some fucking oils on my face. I put some serum on my face. Vitamin C. Serum. Anointing myself at fucking four in the morning. And it felt good. I ate some oatmeal, I ate some fucking vitamins. They're really just wellness vitamins and stuff like that. I feel like immune, immune systems taking a beating in the season. Anyway, and it felt so nice. Uh, I know I'm going to pay. I'm going to be so tired. Uh, I'll probably try to sleep another hour or something after I finish this. But I really been meaning to do a brain breather and I wanted to uh, come out and, and do this. And it's really nice to lay here on the garage floor. I put like a little gym mat down and uh, just talk for a little bit and see where I'm at. Um, So that's the sound of my little microphone rubbing on my beard. Um, Sometimes you'll ASMR treats. (laughs) For listening. Um, Okay, so I was gonna mention something I thought I just want to talk about because I I was it's neat. I got a little shifting gears. It's not really shifting gears actually. It's actually this is what I said I was gonna cycle back to like you know the whole like is it the best strategy to say uh, as a young person think like bravery is doing things that make you afraid and therefore if something makes you afraid you should do them. No, that's not good actually overall. I, meaning it's just lacks nuance. <laughs> And sometimes fear is a very good thing you should listen to, to say, no, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. Um, Fear is a gift and you should listen to it sometimes, but you shouldn't let it dictate your life. And the point is, if you are living in defiance of fear, it's still dictating your life just in in the negative. You know what I mean? That's the whole point of fucking in the back to the future thing. If you call Mario McFly a chicken, you can make him do anything. And it's like, if I'm really living in absolute, like, oh, that scares me, I'll do it. I'm not going to not do it because it scares me because I'm going to do it. Then obviously, you're still having your life dictated by fear, just in reverse. And the idea is to divorce yourself from fear as a commander, you know, as a commandment. Um, but anyway, there was some great benefit to living that way, including the mistakes I learned from that I was lucky enough to survive 
from doing, you know, emotionally and uh, uh, mentally and spiritually and physically dangerous things just because I was afraid of them. But, uh, but I'm just saying, as, as an overall ethos forever, not necessarily great. But in that idea of well-made mistakes, uh, as Fiona Apple calls them, someone I got a message from someone who I'm gonna I haven't responded to yet. Sometimes I uh, I get like in the forbidden DMs, I'll see a message and then I'll be like, oh, and I'll try not to necessarily respond right away until I'm ready or whatever. I don't know. But it was a really nice message from someone who said that they. Uh, recently started listening to this and it was the uh, fuck breakups one that they heard and i thought that's so funny that would be such that's such a funny one to find as your first one and then i'm really glad that it's there and that it's helpful for some people and uh it had me reflecting they asked they had they asked uh for some advice, if I had other advice, because having a bad one, you know, big, big, bad breakup. I assume the kind, from what they said, that I <laughs> had when I wrote fuck breakups for myself, which I guess maybe is the theme of the episode, is writing things for yourself. <laughs> uh, writing things for yourself, I, again, I'm just going to say, try maybe try the thing about the kind of person you like to be. Or try writing a fuck breakups thing, or just fight. I think writing for yourself is really good. Uh, with my grandma, I had to do that as well. Um, I find, and I don't know if it has to do with the muted feelings of depression or the muted feelings of antidepressants, or if it has to do with uh, just my ADD brain or survival coping mechanism or whatever the fuck that creates some kind of distance between my feelings and my uh, frontal cortex or whatever the fuck, because. Uh, I have a lot of feelings all the time. I'll cry at really random shit I don't know. I feel extremely hypersensitive to the experiences of other people around me, usually in sort of like a survival mode kind of way, you know, a way that's like, I just want to make sure everybody's happy all the time. (laughs) Um, So sometimes I have to write uh, to know what I'm feeling. Or, uh, Or more precisely, I have to write to feel what I'm feeling. That I have to write it and then read it back to myself and then I can really feel the feelings. Um, Especially with grieving, that's something I have to do. And I think it's part of why I love poems and stuff. And uh, I used to say, and I think it kind of is still true, that words are like my favorite thing. I just love them. I think words are absolutely magic. I mean, think about how fucking insane it is that you can take thoughts in your head, a thing that you could never really communicate to other people. And still, it's like a clumsy tool, but it's it's close. It's the best we got. And that you could make shapes on something and somebody else could see them maybe thousands of years later on the other side of the world and they could have those thoughts. I mean, that's fucking, I mean, it's magic, dude. Like the way I thought about it was like sometimes in movies or books you'll see like a magic spell that's like uh, someone says a a, a magic uh, uh, 
you know, code word. And then the person's suddenly like, whoa, I, I'm really yeah, this other person. It has all these other memories that come flooding back. And they like, you know, they hide their, this hidden knowledge is like trapped within you somewhere. And then someone will be like, Aloha Maloza. I don't know. I was going to say Aloha Mora, but I was like, I think that's a Harry Potter one. And I was like, I don't know what that spell was. So I said, Aloha Mahoza. <laughs> and then you're suddenly like, Whoa, and you're real, you know, you're like, whoa, I am a wizard. You're right. Oh, I've been, I'm, my real personality is underneath this personality because I'm doing wizard spy work or something like that. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, that's what words are in real life. Like that's what actual writing is. <laughs> you can like unlock knowledge. Wild. So let me write about it. So anyway, I want to talk about a little bit about just breakup-y stuff, heartbreak and just the fury of love and the fury of obsession and a fury uh, that I don't feel anymore. I still feel a lot of passion. I feel a great deal of affection. But I, I uh, a sibling, Jesus, I gotta get away from that sound. A sibling was having a crazy ass breakup a little while back, a younger sibling and Oh, there we go. Okay. A younger sibling. And I was witnessing the younger sibling have this crazy ass fucking breakup stuff. Or, or not just the breakup, but some of the codependent things that happen in those kinds of relationships. Uh, those, uh, I always liked the thing they mentioned in The Sopranos, Amor Foo, you know, crazy love. Shit, what is going on? Uh, it's fine. See, it's like the machines, the machines have thoughts and feelings and they're fresh. They're annoyed. Is it going to stop? I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Um, all right, all right, here, I'm refocusing. Here we go. Okay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, (laughs) Oh my god. Alright, I'm just tuning in out. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I know nobody cares. Um So you watch you watch somebody who's in the middle of it, the bad, the bad kind of love, and you watch them like they have to answer the text. They have to stay in the phone. I have to. I have to. This person on the other end, I have to. You know what I mean? That feeling inside that you have. You're trapped in text exchanges. You gotta answer the phone. You gotta keep fighting. You gotta get another word. You need them to understand. You need them to understand something. Who fucking knows what thing it is? But there's something that you've got to fucking communicate. And and you start chasing this feeling in the in that kind of like love uh, insanity, where where you really do think right around the next corner of conversation. Uh, of argument right around the next corner there's an answer there you know what i mean um and that's not true the fury is not true 
So, I know that's slightly off of like breakup, but I swear to God, it'll tie in. I think what I'm trying to communicate here is like to question the experiences that your brain and your heart and your body are telling you are certainly true. Uh, you know, and that's a funny thing to say because most people are like, trust your instincts. And I said, the gift of fear and all these kinds of things, right? Like that's all valid. That's all totally good, smart, valid shit to like, to like listen to your body and, and to cultivate a, a, a listening. But cultivating a listening to know what's true is very hard. And I think for some of us, myself included, my, myself especially, if you have depression or any of that shit especially, if you have ADHD, anxiety, whatever, I think as much as one should cultivate a trust and an ear for your body and your experiences to know what's true and your instincts and your guts, you should also cultivate some doubt. <laughs> you know, there's this there's this thing I would do. The is that true? I was th that's what always like comes to mind. Is this like the is that true game? Is what it, I think of it as. It's like an exercise. I think my mom did with me a while ago or something like that. And it has to do. They use it for conflict resolution within love relationships. Uh, I mostly use it. And I think it's used this way. I don't know if it's, I don't know. But as a, <clears throat> an exercise with my own inner dialogue where, um, where I, I've been, you know, oh, I, inside I'm like, I, I'm, I'm such a piece of shit. And then I go, oh, is that true? And then you go like, well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Well, what would it mean if you were a piece of shit? Like, what would what would a piece of shit be like? Um, just that I'm just selfish and harmful and destructive all the time and uh, useless and uh, not just useless, but like actively harmful to the world, to the world around me and things around me. Well, is that true? I, um, I guess sometimes when are you that? I can't think of them right now. Maybe mostly just as neglect. Are you ever good things? Yeah. Are you trying to be good things? Yeah. You know what I mean? You just start to do this thing. And you go like, is that true? Whatever. So like, is that true? In heartbreak, true heartbreak, when you're young, especially when it's newish heartbreak. But honestly, the young part doesn't necessarily have to do with it. Some people, you've got a thing with them. You got a craziness with them. And uh, I don't think it has anything to do with age or whatever. It's just, you know, there's that uh, my one of my favorite love songs for sure is a teenage feeling. The Nico Case song, you know, and um, was the chorus or the, the end of the chorus? The verse goes, uh, 
my when she goes, my brave friend who says, I don't care if uh, forever never comes. I'm holding out for that teenage feeling. Beautiful, insanely beautiful and uh, aspirational. <laughs> nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that giddiness, that real fucking whew, that thing. It's great. But that thing is not always reliable. That thing is not always the thing in your body screaming at you that it's true isn't always it often isn't uh and this is what i mean by cultivate doubt so like because it applies to depression ADD, and stuff too you know what i mean like to cultivate the ability to go like am i really whatever you know poisonous thoughts i'm having but i'm gonna keep trying to scoop it down into this heartbreak thing because i've had so much time since i wrote that thing and I've had so much time since I felt that kind of uh, horrible, passionate, obsessive, destructive, fucking fun, toxic love. And I, I think you got to admit that it's fun, man. Even if you're in a lot of pain, it's fun. There's something about it that's fun. And I, and I, I have, like motorcycles are fun. Uh, that's not a good example. Riding motorcycles recklessly is fun. That's what I'm trying to say. Because motorcycles can be fun if you ride them safely as well. They are. But I'm talking about when you ride them recklessly. <laughs> that's what that kind of love is like. It is fun. And you can't fucking pretend it's not fun. But you just have to like figure out if it's if it's if it's worth it. If you you know, if the juice is worth the squeeze and also how much damage are you willing or allowed to do for fun and then you got to get into the part two about consent which is like are all of the parties involved aware of the amount of damage you're all doing to each other and to yourselves and are they having fun or are you doing this at the expense of other people as well as yourself and whenever you're in a lovey relationship heartbreaking thing that invariably becomes part of it and it, and that's something i didn't used to think about that much i don't think i don't think anybody does when you're you know crazy you know we should all forgive other people for the ways that they've like hurt us and shit too or whatever i think the main thing i wanted to get at though was like that fury can die down and much like the way i think i was worried that if my Depression got less severe because clearly uh, from the first half of talking about this, I'm not done with depression. I don't think I ever will be. But that if my suffering, my sense of day-to-day agony lessened, so would my creativity, so would my zest for life, any those kinds of things. And sometimes I worry that they do. But I don't think that that's true. <laughs> Like, I'll sit and talk to myself about it, and I'll be like, well, it's like, did you equate doing cocaine with being alive? You know? Yeah, cocaine makes you feel real fucking alive. Makes you feel fucking crazy. But is that being alive, or is that drugs? You know? And, I mean, like, here, I'm hedging again, because drugs are real life. Drugs is, like, totally part But you can't do that all the time. You just can't live that way. You will destroy your fucking body and brain. You just destroy them. And so will, I think, that kind of obsessive crazy love. 
and with it in the heartbreak is like sometimes I think the grieving of the intensity of heartbreak of the of the you know shattering the there's so many reasons it's shattering to have like those big loves I mean the the, the one that first thing I'll say is when I had my first big, 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 big love, the only thing I had to compare it to, the only thing that seemed close to like the mag was like death. It was like my grandpa had died, who was pretty close with. And it was the only thing that it was like infinite loss. Just a loss that made no sense and couldn't be comprehended and it was forever and forever and ever. And I was like, that's the only feeling tone that feels similar to what I'm experiencing with this heartbreak. And, uh, you know, there's this book I read when I was younger, some, I think he's like a Jungian sort of psychologist. So, you know, <laughs> think of a grain of salt, but I still like Jungian shit sometimes. I think it's helpful. It's so literary, <clears throat> but they say in this book that like, basically when you're born, whenever all, any of us are born, you're ripped from oneness and they thought this guy Eric Fromm was like you spend the rest of your life trying to get back into that oneness that sense of shared space that sense of um, uh, unity oneness and that oneness uh, can be reached through love and not just love but also uh, what he called orgiastic states you know these states of ecstasy states of intensity uh, with other people uh, and drugs and things like that, you know, I assume. But I feel like sometimes these subjects are strange because people silo off uh, and get so triggered by like religious language or maybe they're atheists or just aren't comfortable, whatever. But I, I, whatever, if you talk about spirituality or God or something like that, just it's the great unknown. There's some other great unknown thing to being a person. That, yeah, you, you can kind of explain everything as, like, evolution, which is true, like, evolutionary. But, like, the mutation is still mysterious. The, the mutation that uh, creates wacky ways of being that may or may not function as survival traits uh, to carry on the... I mean, it's weird to think, like, I don't think I'll have kids. I will not have kids. It's something I thought about a while ago. So like my, whatever is in my survival traits isn't going to move on. You know what I mean? Maybe, I guess, because my sister had a kid, you know, maybe my nephew will be like me. I don't know. But like, orgiastic states. Uh, I think the thought I had when I had my first like big, big, big love in high school and I was so consumed by it, was I was like, that is a religious experience. And I think in a lot of ways, it's your first experience with divinity, with like a true in your guts feeling of God. Because you're completely subsumed by something larger than yourself. It's the first real intense experience. And often, especially if, uh, you guys are intimate together, like physically. And, and if it's, I mean, for some people, for me, it was, it's like kind of the first person you're like that with, but you know, that's combined with years of this, like friendship and affection and love that builds up into it and all these things and trust and all this, whatever. But basically if you get all those things wrapped in and that intensity and that, uh, and then that trespass exists as well, that physical trespass of, 
uh, allowed or or not. You know, boundary pushing, like um, not. I don't mean to go into those like super dark zones, but I'm just saying like the push pull strangeness of romance when it's consensual. Even there's a trespass. You know, even if you're allowing it, it's like that's a, you, you, there's this crossing of boundaries in such a penetrating way physically and emotionally and mentally and if it's good if it's attached to some kind of furious love and see i'm not going to use the word good like yes especially if it's this this because bliss can exist in pain like bliss can exist in that line you're writing of of fear and and uncertainty and uh elicitousness or something you know like I'm trying to not couch it as like all fucking angels and rainbows or whatever, because I think the most consuming loves I've experienced are not like that. They're, that's in there. But what makes them so fucking juicy is that they're like mixed in with a lot of darkness, a lot of this intensity, this, these animal qualities, these huge reminders that we're made of blood, you know? And... uh and so I think when you're young, especially those early ones and, and the first ones that really get you, they're so ancient religious. They're so pagan blood ritual, you know, sex magic, man. I mean, it's like you are consumed. And if you do get it with some good sex and stuff, all the chemicals releasing in your brain, you're, ha- you're having drugs with it too. And it's really like you're hypnotizing, you're programming yourself. You're having these big spiritual experiences of sex and death that are happening. Uh, And not just that, but you and this other person coming together, even if it is just spiritual and intellectual, even if there's no physicality, no love, it creates a sum that is greater than the parts. And you're like, hey, this math doesn't work. We went from being two people to being one thing that is bigger than both of us. We're experiencing love now. We have locked into the channel of love and bliss in the universe that is fucking vast and infinite. That, that we, we are swimming in the river that Rumi talked about. You know, Rumi, the, the uh, ancient uh, Persian mystic poet. Love is a river. Drink from it. I, like, you're in it. You're swimming in that shit. And it is the best drugs that have ever existed. It is so life-changing. It is so life-changing. And you can't help but think that that only exists with this other person that you first experienced it with. And how could your body know any different? How could your body know any fucking different? You hadn't had it before, this person. And now you and this person have it. And, and it's from... The deepest, darkest, most magical, transcendent, orgasmic, intense, souls touching souls, physical dark, you know, madness. And it is in all the stupid little jokes that you have together. And the, you know, snacks that you like to eat together. And the memories that you, that you have. That'll be all sun dappled and gossamer, the way you're remembering them. You know? And I think on some, even if, Again, I hope it doesn't turn anybody off with the language of God or whatever. But like, 
I really think on some level, whether you like to admit it or not, whatever, you don't like the language or not, I, I hope it doesn't, I'm not talking about a fucking bearded old guy in the sky. I'm talking about like the infinite, you know, the infinite sort of benevolent thing that is generative to all of existence in life. Love. When you have it and you really get to touch it and you really get to live in it like that, It's hard to think that you'll ever experience that again. And the loss of it is, is vast. It is like, if you are into the Eric Fromm thing of like you're ripped from oneness in childhood, in, in infancy, physically and you know, whatever, and now you're going to spend your life trying to get it back. Oh, you got it back. You found someone you could get it back with. And if you, you have even a taste of it, You'll put up with a lot of bad shit, a lot of toxic relationship shit. I think it's part of the fury behind like the, around the next bend, around the next fight, around the next conversation, the text I have to respond to. I'm going to get back to that oneness. We're going to get that love. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. We're going to get back to the good time. You know? You're like, I got ripped from oneness in infancy and now I found oneness again and now it's going away again. And you're like, like, let's just, let's just as a, thought experiment go like what if that was god okay what if and what if now that person doesn't want to be with you anymore or just for whatever the fucking you've lost the thing you can't have the thing and you know you got to get out of it whatever there's like this feeling of like oh god god doesn't love me anymore i don't get to have god anymore i don't get to have love anymore what did i do on some level there's a book i love uh it's a science fiction book uh, and it's not going to be for everyone. And when I go back and read it, it, there's full of like stuff that I'm not crazy about, but there's some wonderful stuff. And there's this one character in the book, the horse witch. And, uh, I think about the horse witch all the fucking time, uh, because the horse witch you later find out is a, a deity sort of, uh, sort of eternal being. That's not exactly a God. It's like a sort of a physical manifestation of notions that just exist. And, uh, it's this woman who, who uh, lives with a herd of feral horses. And it's very important that they're feral. They're not wild horses. They're horses who have run away from abusive situations. <laughs> okay, they're feral. They're horses that were once domesticated and are now free. And so people say like, uh, so there's a part where she's explaining. She's like, people call me the horse witch because I'm witchy and I spend time around horses. <clears throat> But she's like, I'm not either of those things, though. That's not what I do. And this person's like, oh, well, what do you do? She has two different colored eyes. One's blue and one's brown. And she uh, says forgiveness and permission. I'm getting emotional about talking about this. I think because it's a very beautiful concept that I fucking found in a book about a fucking assassin in a fantasy universe. And, I, and I'm like, I don't care how truth finds you. I'm like, this is something I need to know. The horse witch is real. Forgiveness and permission. And she, and he goes, what do you, what does that mean? And it's uh, forgiveness for everything bad that ever happened to you. And permission to be who you are. And those are nuanced things. I'd never heard anybody say anything like that before. And she goes to explain, you know, because what does that fucking mean? Forgiveness for bad things that happen to you. What does that mean? And uh, she's like, you know, on some level, our bodies 
only understand pain as punishment. That if something bad happens to you, you experience something, something bad, you must have done something to deserve it. It must be for something you caused. You, you must deserve this. It must be punishment. And um, that, when I read that, I was like, oh, fuck. There's that. Because it's true. I think it has to do with having problem-solving brains that survive. You know, problem-solving brains that survive, that's a very functional, useful way to think about the universe. Cause and effect. If something happens, something caused it. What caused it? I must be able to figure out what caused it. There must be a thing that caused it that perhaps I can affect that must be under some kind of control. Like, you know, if you get sick, you think I must have eaten some berries that were fucked up and you got to figure that out. That's a good strategy. That's a good thing to be in your brain, to experience pain and then to go, what did I do to cause that? How can I avoid it? And uh, I think it's hard to really divorce our, our brains from the notion that pain is not something that we caused for ourselves. That pain is not punishment. Punishment is anything that exists and we can cause our own damage and we can be responsible for the actions that led to it or some bullshit like that. You know, we can do bad things. We can do dumb things and we can, you know, be self-destructive. But that when you get to the part of the actual sensation of the pain, and in this case, the rejection of God, I'm just going to say that you lost this love and you're in this pain about it now. There's a party that's like, I must have done something to deserve this. I'm fucking bad. I'm fucking unlovable. I'm, I'm, oh, fuck. I was cast out of the garden again. First rip for one that says this little baby baby in this horrible fucking cold ass world. And then I found respite in the fucking glow of this other person like me, this other seeker, this other, this other fucking beacon, this place. You get all the drugs and then he goes away and now you have to deal with death. And you have to deal with not just death, but being thrown out. This feeling of like being a little fucking baby who's all cold and covered in goop. You know, ripped out of the body of the thing that held you, of that love. And that's fucking horrible to go through. It's horrible. Frankly, probably the cause of everything bad that ever happens. I really do think. You know, when they say all politics are psychosexual, well, when I say that, I mean, it's coming from someone's pain somewhere that has to do with a loss of love or an absence of love or something. If everyone was just like in love all the time, nothing, you know, you wouldn't fuck with people. You'd you do your best to be like, ah, we're all just little babies. And uh, so when dealing with pain, when dealing with injury, in a, in a practical way, one, one thing I came to realize was, uh, let's say I cut myself real bad, slipped, cut myself, I'm, I'm bleeding bad out of my hand. Uh, or even that somebody stabbed you. Let's use that. I like that as part of the metaphor. Because I always used to think the idea that you completely control your feelings and emotions and wellness and like that nobody can 
cause feelings in you, that you control all your feelings, I think is foolish. Because I just, I think the same way someone can come up and cut you, someone can cut you emotionally and mentally. That, that can happen. You do get to control how you respond to it, though. And much like if somebody came up and cut you, I ask you, which would, which would be a better strategy for dealing with it? Uh, run around screaming, freaking the fuck out. Oh my fucking God. Oh my fucking God. I'm cut. Oh my fucking God. How could this person cut me? Why did they cut me? What the fuck am I doing? Oh my fucking God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, heart beating faster, pumping more blood out of you faster. Just looking at it, maybe touching it a little bit. Oh, shaking it around, shaking more blood out, right? Or um, to first get out of the fucking situation, away from whatever cut you, whatever that means to neutralize that situation, preferably just fucking getting away from it. And then being calm and putting pressure on the wound, trying to stop the blood, controlling your breathing, figuring it out. You know, getting help if you need it. Uh, that's a better that's a better way to deal with it. And I think the thing being more distanced and there's no way this will make much difference to here. I know because I know who I was, and I think all this sort of info is accessible to me then, whatever. But if there's one thing that I just wished I could have told my brother. Like really gotten into him. And I did tell him, but it didn't matter. I knew he had to go through it. We all got to go through it our own thing. It's part of it. And I slip back into it sometimes. I try not to, but I, I'm mostly much better now. It takes two to tango though. You know, you, you can grow with other people as well. But anyway, there's one thing I could have said. I would have just tried to impart how unnecessary the fury is. The furious freaking out. The furious part of the love. And it's like... I don't want to just blanket. I, I think it's an awesome fucking human experience that I wouldn't want to take away from anybody. But so was recklessly riding my motorcycle. You know? And some people are just going to go do it because they want to live and they want to see what that's like. But like, I mean, I literally was leaving a, a, a fucking bad night of an argument a, a while ago. Somewhat, and literally got my motorcycle and just pissed off was like, you know, opened the throttle too hard and I popped the clutch and I just fucking right off the curb spun out and fucking had a tiny little wipeout. Burned through my shoes and my jeans a little bit. I got so fucking lucky. Just nothing. Just because I was pissed off. You know? I got lucky with a lot of things with my stupid motorcycle. You know? I'm glad that that was the dumb... Reckless one that ended in an actual crash. Not any of the times that I was like, definitely had had too many drinks. I was driving too fast on the highway. You know, dumb shit. And I really think, I don't want to take away from your like passionate human experience of being a reckless, wild, young lover in pain. Because those, I get it. Those are poetic things to experience, whatever. But like, I think I, a lot of it's just not fun and it's just poison and it's not the big romantic nonsense. And I would love to try to impart, like, just slow the fuck down. Slow down. Play the is that true game. Be nice to yourself. Be gentle with yourself. And along with the is that true game, just be like, I promise you, love is infinite. 
then it's there for you. I promise you that God thing, that infinite love thing, you, you are in touch with that all the time if you want to be, you, you know? And I know that it doesn't feel the same as when you're, you know, coming with somebody that you love that makes you laugh and has really funny ideas and is fucking brilliant and cool and hot. It's, I know it doesn't feel the same, <laughs> but, uh, and cares about you, you know? That's a big part, that's important. What it's like to be actually fucking cared for and accepted. I know, I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be dense here, but I promise you that love's always around. It's always, 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 always around. And uh, you know, when I was writing Fuck Breakups, it's, it's a lot of aggressive cope. It's a lot of aggressive like, be, hey, I know you're in a lot of pain. And it, that kind of remains true. I would just say like one thing I've just learned a lot is I, I look back on the madness I was experiencing when I was younger and stuff like that. And I'm, and I'm just like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> like, what did I, why did I think that was real? Why did I really, you know, why did I think, I mean, I really thought it was gone forever. Some judgment had been made on me. I was not worthy of these things comfort and acceptance and love and the infinite divine universe holding me to its bosom. I was thrown out of the garden. Maybe, I don't know. I, I hope this is all being received as metaphor just to say like the pain isn't necessary. It's, it's real, but it doesn't mean anything. The pain is real, but it doesn't mean that you deserve it. You know what I mean? It, it, there's no meaning that you should be attaching to it. It's just part of the experience you're going through, the growth. It's like, I feel like it would be like doing a workout and getting your muscles burning, like your muscles fucking hurt because you're like trying to fucking uh, push, push through something and that burning pain that your muscles get in, that you'd be like, this means I'm bad. These, when my muscles are sore the next day, I'm a bad person because of this. Nah, you're just growing. You know, you're just experiencing pain. And uh, it's a very trite thing that people say. I go, you know, pain is real. Suffering is a choice. Like pain just happens. But suffering is like a condition of your experience with the pain. Your experience intellectually and consciously with the pain, your justification of it, the layers you put on top of it, the whys, the wondering, the wallowing, all these kinds of things. And I think that that's valid. Again, oh, the grain of salt. Like, who's a fucking monk? I'm talking to you as somebody who has fucking mental problems that I promise you don't feel like a choice a lot of the time. But I think it's empowering to remind myself that they kind of are. That the pain I experience or the confusion I experience from whatever I'm going through, mentally, physically, that the actual pain doesn't mean that I'm bad. Doesn't mean there's something inherently fucked up about me. It's just a thing I'm going through. And the pain is real, but that I can still make choices 
around the pain somehow. And maybe that's not within my capacity. Maybe the pain is too great to do anything different. But just the thought that the pain is real, but the suffering isn't necessarily necessary. The suffering isn't necessarily inherently tied to it and that I don't necessarily deserve it or whatever is helpful, I think, to extricating from it. You know? I don't know. So maybe we're like, write about it. Write your feelings. Write letters to yourself. Write notes to yourself. Write about the person that you'd like to be. If you were the idealized version of you in this situation, like how, you know, you're dealing with pain with the most grace and equanimity and monkish sort of like wisdom. What would that look like? Like, what would that person be doing? You know? And then if you find yourself like late at night being like, I'm finally going to get out and fucking go exercise a little bit. Even though you didn't do the program the way you're supposed to, quote unquote, you didn't lift the way you wanted to, or you didn't, or you fucked up Monday or Tuesday or blah, blah, blah. Just do it now. Like same thing with this. You know what I mean? If you write out the list of like who the best version of yourself would be in your mind, and you can do even like one of those little behaviors and you could do it on a whim, just fucking pursue it. Just fucking do it, you know? Anytime that I can, I find the like, I feel like doing this thing that I know is good for me, it's been on my list I wanna do for a while, and I can get in a flow around that, it's, it's just I have to follow the impulse sometimes. You, you have to just let that impulse take priority, which is difficult, you know, because often I'll be like, I have the impulse to go work on this thing I've been wanting to work on. But oh, I have all these chores. I should really do these chores first. And then I'm just going to do this. And I had the time to do it earlier, but I didn't do it at the time I was supposed to. So I don't, shouldn't do it now. I don't deserve it. Then we should just divorce ourselves of the notion of like deserve in general. Anyway, slow down. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Slow down. Play this that true game. Don't be so fucking furious and mean to yourself, you know? And as you go through this fucking thing, just understand that that universal love, that, that love thing, the mysterious thing in the universe that you were so fucking lucky to get to access with this other person. You know, some people never fucking get it, man. The one that broke your heart. The fact that you got to share that with someone else and you guys got to make the weird magic of this portal to like this love together or whatever. Man, that that is fucking great. And just because it's gone... It doesn't mean the thing that you accessed is gone. That thing is there eternal. It was there before anything existed and it'll be there after. You know what I mean? And uh, I would suggest cultivating some sense of that connection to that and maybe seeing if there's other ways that you can reassure yourself of that existence. Other ways to sort of attain that oneness. I don't know, service are good ways to do it. Uh, certain self-care, I think, is a good way to do it. Sort of trying to unite the physical and spiritual parts of yourself, I think, is like, again, creates a sort of sense of unity. It doesn't mean we do it all the time, but I don't know. I think that, that oneness is a thing. And, uh, oh, this is the last, last thing I want to say that I think is important. Um, uh, because Ali and I were real on and off poison, poison to each other for a long time. We had this like furious tendencies and all our psychosexual issues playing out at each other, blah, blah, all this codependency, whatever. And I remember we just kept, we just keep getting back together. And we're like, 
you know, went through all this. Are they addicted to each other? What is it? Who knows? And uh, after like a lot of things, growing, learning things, other experiences, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> at some point, I was like, am I addicted to this? Is it a cycle of intensity? And I am I addicted to the, am I here for the fight? Am I here for the conflict? Because the conflict makes me feel alive. Because the conflict mimics a kind of intimacy. It, it brings a kind of in, uh, intensity to everything. Is that what I'm here for? Or am I here for the good things? The things that felt good. The things that are lovely and loving and connective. And when I asked myself that, truly sat with it, really thought about it. I was like, I'm here for the good things, man. Then I went about trying to make that the priority. Like living with that understanding. And fundamentally, like, change shit for me. And I think that's true about life. Like, I mean, it like sort of spread out into like life. I'm like, <clears throat> am I here to be in pain? Do I think pain inherently has meaning? Do I think there's something about that that's like, you know, or am I here for like good shit to like try to make more good shit, spread good shit, experience good shit? And uh, the answer was that. Yes, I'm here for the good shit. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for like, I'm here for the love. I'll have the love, please. And when I realized that and really internalized that, really sat with it and thought about it, and I was like, that's what I'm here for. I was just like, all right, well, I'm going to try to just make more of that. Focus on that. Doesn't, like, I mean, it's easy <laughs> to remember that, to stay with that, you know? Log on Twitter for, like, five fucking minutes, and it's, like, becomes hard to live in that. It's poison world. It's horrible. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to suggest that if you are experiencing heartbreak, it's because you, you lost touch uh, and you're losing what you feel like is an access point to that kind of love through this very specific way that you really loved and this person, all these things, and, and a time that's passed and whatever. And now you have to go back into this weird fucking world alone. And uh, it's up to you to realize and like really internalize that ah, you're not really alone, you're never really alone. There's like this love thing that's everywhere. And to go like, is that true that I am in a world that's very bad and full of pain and horror? Yes. But is this other thing also true? <laughs> you know what I mean? You just play this that true game. And you're like, am I here to just feel that pain? Is that what I'm here for? Or, or do I want to be here to like cultivate the good shit and be in the good shit and feel the good times? That's like what I'm... That? Well, then I'm going to focus on that and try to make more of that. And I think if you got depression, anxiety, and stuff like that, uh, and you do survive suicidal tendencies or are continuing to survive them, uh, suicidal ideation, which I know is like pretty fucking common, then you're already doing this. Because I don't think you survive suicidal ideation without doing some version of, even if your body's just doing it on some subconscious autopilot of like just trying to create more good times. Just, just like the, the profound hope that exists in you to know a good time will come again. Good things will exist again. A good feeling will happen again. You know? That that profound hope implicit in surviving your dumb body's desire to end itself. You know what I mean? It's wonderful. 
So that's it. I don't know. I don't have like a good clean conclusion. Just slow down. Don't be furious yourself. Don't convince yourself that there's like meaning necessarily. And then go like focus on just making good. Making good, experiencing good. Focus on that. And then uh, last, 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 last thing. This is what I'm going to end on. This is like probably the best advice I ever got from any therapist ever. Hold it lightly. <laughs> My therapist is like, let's just hold these notions lightly. You know, you don't hold them with like this clenched fist. This is true. This must be true. Everything, that's the, is this true? Everything is like, hold it lightly. Am I this? Yeah, I'm this. So I'm going to hold it lightly though. It could be, I don't know. It could go away. It could not. It's not something I need to be clung to on my, you know, real big piece of shit. I'm going to hold that lightly. Are you a real big piece of shit? I don't know. Sometimes, maybe not always, but sometimes. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. Who cares? You're also really great. You know, you're also wonderful. You also bring something very unique and beautiful, a unique expression of that generative universal energy. That is love. That's, that's, I think, what that consciousness that we are is, what it comes from. That, gr- that growing glow in the universe. That's what we're here for. So, you know, hydrate, self-care. Be well. That's, that's where I'm going to end. I don't know. Talked for a while. This is oh, kind of a long one. I hope I was nice to talk to you. I hope that you found some useful stuff in there. It really helped me to talk through this. So thanks for being here with it. Because it genuinely did. This is fucking invigorating. A little helped me remember a lot of things. Anyway, thanks a lot. I love you. I love you guys. I love this shit. Uh, It's very meaningful. Just to know there's other people trying. You know? Just to know other people are trying. Be good to yourself. Be soft. If you're going through heartbreak or some shit right now, just fucking slow roll on that thing, you know? You don't have to do the texts, okay? (laughs) You don't have to do the texts. You don't need to answer the call. You don't need to do... You don't need to. They might be very mad. You don't need to. Okay? That's the big thing. There's a lot of big things. I don't know. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do the thing where I just abruptly end now. Okay, hydrate, self care, be well. Thank you, uh, thank you. Good good, evening, good day. Hi, th- thank you so much for listening to the pod. Um, it's nice to kind of be back doing this a little bit now. Um, if you want to go to patreoncom brain to support the pod, that's really cool. Leaving uh, reviews is great. Don't buy merch at mygoodbadbrain.com right now because something's wrong with the Shopify or something. Just don't do that. It's got some fr- it's frozen. Anyway, thank you for your support. <laughs> See you guys soon. Ah, yeah. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.